welcome again. Good morning. So last week we launched into a new little series. Uh, I, I told you it was a bit of a, a preview of our upcoming regional conference. Our national director, Phil Stroud, has kind of set some direction in motion for the Vineyard Movement, and uh, he uses that little acronym to describe that. It's EDLD, which stands for Evangelism, Discipleship, Leadership, and Diversity, and that these are the essential practices of the Vineyard Movement. And the idea there really is that as we pursue God and as we press into His kingdom, uh, keep moving forward in the things that He's called us and purposed us to do, that we would do uh, these essential practices, that these would be so rooted in us that they would naturally just be the expression that comes out of our relationship with God. So what I hope to do over the next uh, few weeks, and I don't know how many weeks yet because I, every time I think I figure it out, I realize there's more to say. Uh, but we're going to break this down and look at these. And so this morning, uh, I want to start with the first of those practices and talk a little bit about evangelism. As I was preparing this week, I realized uh, in 20 years here uh, at this church, I have not talked about evangelism very many times. Uh, I've talked about the kingdom of God a lot of times. I've talked about prayer a lot of times. I've talked about worship a lot of times. Lots of other things. Not evangelism. And I was sort of questioning myself. Why is that? And I thought, is it because I'm afraid of evangelism? And the answer really to that question was no, I'm really not. I'm not afraid to share Jesus with people at all. Is it that I'm embarrassed uh, to you know, talk about evangelism or to be uh, active in evangelism? And the answer was no, not really. But I, I have to admit something. I, I am embarrassed somewhat, not about Jesus, but sometimes I'm a little embarrassed by some of what Christians do in the name of evangelism, okay? Some of you are nodding, yes. Um, there are certain tactics, certain approaches, certain you know, ways that people have chosen to evangelize that I sometimes feel like I would rather not be associated with that. And so my fear, the fear that I do have, and I'm being really honest, is if I share Jesus with this person, they're not going to hear what I say. They're going to think about that, and I don't know that I want to be connected with that. So I am saying that as a confession and, and doing my best today to overcome that. But let's just real quickly, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this part, but just to give you a frame of reference for you know what I'm talking about. C certainly there are those extreme things. God hates you. I, I don't, that doesn't warm my heart a lot. I don't feel connected to God. That's extreme. Not a lot of people do that. Some of you older folks will remember uh, this gentleman in the 80s sporting events. He was nice. He was very friendly and kind. Um, just a little kooky, you know, a little nuts. And, and I honestly, I mean, he's a good guy. I think he was trying to be funny to get attention. But I sometimes think, I don't want to be associated with that necessarily. Uh, also, some of the older folks, how many, let me ask this question, okay. How many of you remember Chick Tracks? Two or three of you. So there used to be, they're still around, not as often, but in the 70s, 80s, these, a track is a little pamphlet. There was a guy named Jack, Trick, Jack Chick. He was a cartoonist. 
And so he would draw these little cartoons and tell stories that were used for evangelism. And, you would, and sometimes people would hand those out, but sometimes you would find him in the bathroom. Uh, you know, I, I was seriously, in the last year or so, I can't remember exactly, it was in the bathroom at the Houston airport. And I remember that because I feel like I spent half my life in the bathroom at the Houston airport, or at least in the Houston airport. I, every time I go to... Every t- I go to Nicaragua twice a year, and every time we go, we fly through Houston, and the way the flights out of Portland work, there's always a five-hour layover. So twice a year, I spend 10 hours in the Houston airport, okay? And it, I, it's not my favorite day. I have another confession to make. So I was thinking about the Chick Tracks the other night, and I, wanted to go, and I remembered seeing one recently, so I go, are they still around? So I looked up their website, and I found out on the website, now, you know, modern technology you can actually read all the tracks online before you purchase them, right? To, so I spent about an hour the other night reading Chick Tracks. And uh, all I can say about that is it's an hour I'll never get back. But just let me, I got to give you, I can't, I got to share. I gotta, this is just too good. So here's a page from one of these tracks. Young lady, looks like she's a very stylish young woman. She's got her wine glass. She says, it's all mine. And she has a new car. And I don't know if that's her house or not, but... You know, she's kind of celebrating, and the, the, um, the verse underneath there, and by the way, this track is from 2011, so this is not like from the 70s. The verse is Luke 12, 19, King James, and I will say to my soul, soul thou hast much goods laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And then the very next frame, the grim reaper comes and kills her. I can't breathe now! But God said, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Um, I don't know. That just doesn't make me want to turn to Jesus. I just feel like I, I'm a celebrant. I got a new car. I'm happy I got a new car, and now I'm dead. Um, I don't know. I don't know. She died. It cut off. But the bottom scene is her funeral. She died. She, that, that Grim Reaper just killed her because she had a new car. No, that's not the end. But look, let's move on. Here, the other thing is, okay, so technology. This is why I figured this out this week too. Some of you will appreciate this. Not, probably not good, but you should or you could. With social media today, you can evangelize and you don't ever actually have to talk to people. Right? Uh, no, that's not right. But here, I mean, this is, I love this. Catch up with Jesus. Let us praise and relish him. Because he loves me from my head to my toes. I, it's awesome. Okay. I, and it's trademarked. Ventura Martinez gets full credit because I, I'm not going to steal that. I'm going to honor Ventura for that little thing. Uh, wow. So my, my title today is the dreaded E word. I'm just thinking about everything that happens in the name of evangelism. What I want to do is take a few minutes, and we've only got a few left, and talk about what, what is the good news? What are we really sharing when we share our faith, and what does that look like in the world today? So Lord, please bless that. Um, in Phil's little document, or the, the document that Vineyard published, and I'm going to, again, I said last week, I'm going to try to get copies for you guys. Uh, he describes evangelism, or they describe evangelism as just talking about what we love. 
I like that definition a lot. And, and here's why. Because that's the truth, isn't it? Isn't that what we do? Don't we talk about what we love? Uh, if you're a sports fan, you talk about sports, don't you? That's what you do, right? And, and, you, and you talk to other people who love sports. And if people don't, you try to tell them why they should. That's what you do. You talk about what you love. If you love cars, you talk about cars. If you love to cook, you talk about cooking. If, if, you, if you love The Bachelor, you talk about The Bachelor. I don't know. Just look at you. I don't know. I, <laughs> I won't tell. Um, if you love Jesus, if you truly love Jesus, you'll talk about Jesus, won't you? It should be just a natural expression of the thing that we live in our heart. And that's why for me, I believe, and, I, and this is where I am today. I'm sharing this with you guys and asking you to join me. I believe evangelism begins with a little bit of a heart check. Am I really loving Jesus? Is my, is my heart warmed at the thought of who Jesus is and what he's all about? Do I talk about him in the same way I talk about sports or cars or cooking or The Bachelor um, and, and if I don't, why don't I? What, what's blocking me from that? Is, are there things that have come into my life? And sometimes it's not bad stuff. Sometimes it's just too much stuff that keeps me from really cultivating and nurturing my love relationship with Jesus. Sometimes it is bad stuff. Sometimes we allow sin to creep into our lives. And it, it hinders our relationship with God. It, it causes some separation. My encouragement would be to just, I don't mean this in a, condemning way to anybody, but I just think a little self-evaluation is good. Just to take inventory. Is there, are there things that I've allowed to take place in my life that have blocked in any way my relationship with God? The, the next thing in, in regard to uh, evangelism, sharing our faith, is when we talk about Jesus, it's supposed to be good news, right? That, right? The word gospel, that's what it means. It's, it's good news. And again, I, I think some of what we looked at, and sometimes even things I hear from people, I, I, I don't know, that doesn't sound like very good news to me. Uh, I think evangelism should be good news. And, and I want to I talk about what the good news of, of the gospel really is today. But first, let's just talk about news for a second. All news, good or bad, and there's really, there, there's, there's three kinds of news. There's good, bad, and cute, right? You get good news, bad news, and then when we moved to Oregon, the first thing I noticed was on every news program, there's at least one little story about an animal, a, a dog or a kitty cat or a horse, and those stories sometimes aren't good or bad. Sometimes they're just cute, you know? So, but any news story... There's three components to it, really, um, and, and, and here, here's what they are, and this is, this is kind of important, and I'll, I'll try to go fast. Something has happened in the past, and with our, the news cycle today and the internet and the way things are, it could have been in the very immediate past. It could have been minutes ago, but something happened, right? The, a couple weeks ago, Muhammad Ali passed away. And I literally had an update on ESPN, from ESPN on my phone, within five minutes of his passing, I knew he was gone. And I just thought, one, I was bummed, you know, but two, it was just amazing to me how quickly I knew about that. So it could be quick, soon in the past, very recent past, but something happened in the past. That's component number one. But component number two is it affects 
how you view the present, right? It changes your perspective on what's happening right now. Um, a late passing was one thing, but let's shift gears for a second. Last weekend, there was this um, shooting in Orlando. And when you hear about that, it affects how you view the present, right? It immediately changes how you view your life. Um, I knew the second I heard that we're in the middle of an election cycle, and I just thought, man, you know what's going to hit the fan. It, it, gun control, uh, homophobia, terrorism, it's, it's all going to blow up. For us, our family personally, we heard about it on Sunday. Donna was scheduled to fly to California on Monday. First thought in my mind was we have to go early because there's going to be extra security at the airport tomorrow. Right? So what happens in the past affects how you view the present. There's a reality of that. And then the third component of all news is it changes your expectation for the future. Because of events like this, we begin to ask questions like, what will my future look like? How does what's just happened affect what's going to happen in my life ahead? And I, I think those are valid questions. Is it okay? I, I, don't, I don't go out to nightclubs and do a lot of dancing anymore. Um, I'm not opposed to that in any way. I'm a little old and I have bad knees and I go to bed at 8 o'clock. So it just doesn't work out. But if you do that, you're asking yourself, is it okay for me to go do that or, or is that going to be a bad thing for me? Now, I might ask the question, is it okay for me to even go to the movie theater or to the mall or anywhere for that matter? Is that okay? I have to ask, I travel a little bit and I have to ask the question, is it going to be safe for me to fly? Uh, so, so, so all I'm saying is, news, something happened, it affects how I view the present, and, and, it, and it alters my expectation for the future, okay? You, do, you following me? You, got, you understand that? Um, one passage today we're going to look at, and, and uh, in regards to news, the good news, and evangelism, it's 2 Corinthians 5, it's... Just go home today and read 2 Corinthians 5, okay? That's so good. If Paul's writing, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and for them and was raised again. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. People are saying that Paul's crazy. He's out of his mind. Why are they saying that? The reason they're saying that, he tells us, is because Christ's love compels us. 
So first question that comes to my mind is, um, does hate compel us? Not so much. Does guilt compel us? I, 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 don't, I don't think it does. Does fear really compel us? No. What Paul says is Christ's love compels us. The love of Christ brought about a radical, radical transformation in the life of the Apostle Paul. Okay, why are people saying Paul's crazy? This is why. Because some of them know him. And he was doing what? He was, he was out persecuting Christians. He was beating them up and having them arrested. That's what he was doing. And he met Jesus, and the love of Christ transformed his life, and he did a complete turnaround. And, and now he's become an ambassador for Christ. Now he's representing the very person that he used to be persecuting. And people go, this guy's lost his mind. He's completely crazy. He, he's gone off the grid. I can't believe what's happening to him. That's why people are saying he's crazy. I want to run this bit of news through the grid that we just looked at. What happened in the past? A few things, but the first thing is that one died for all, and therefore all died. Jesus entered into solidarity with all of humanity, okay? The death he suffered on the cross was for all. All humanity, every person, was destined to die, okay? Uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Everyone dies. That's how it works. Jesus died for us all. One died for all, and therefore all have already died. The second thing that happened in the past is that God made him who had no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took all of the sin of all humanity, of all mankind, took everyone's sin, and, and he, he absorbed it into himself. He, he took it all upon himself, and it killed him. It killed him. The wages of sin really was death, and, and he died. And he, he died the death that we all deserved. You know, th that, that, that's why Jesus on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that very moment, all the sin of all humanity was heaped upon him. He, he became the mass murderer. He became the rapist. He became the pedophile. He became the liar. And, 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 and he became all of that. And all of the weight and all of the burden of all that sin was on him. And he suffered the hell that was associated with all that. And it completely, sin separates us from God. And it's separated from God. And that's why he said that in that moment. So, look, here's the thing. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, tri triumphing over them on the cross. Um, you want, here, you, here's the good news. You want some good news? The only thing the enemy has on anybody 
is their sin, right? He's the accuser. What does he say? Oh, you're just, you're bad. You did a bad thing. You're no different than you ever were. This is what you are, and bless you. Jesus took that away. He disarmed the enemy. He no longer has the ability to accuse you. Jesus, you remember, um, he was, just before the cross, he was talking to his disciples, and he was preparing them for him leaving, and he said this to them, the prince of this world is coming, and he has nothing on me. You remember that? Why did he say that? Because he had no sin. The enemy has nothing on him because he had no sin. So guess what? Now we can say that too. You got nothing on me. You got nothing on me. You got nothing on me. My sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus. And I am now free to become the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God because your sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus. That's, that's good news. That's good news. Jesus disarmed the devil and his forces and made a mockery of him. How did Jesus make a mockery of the devil? He took away all of his ammunition. All he's got is the accusation of your sin, and Jesus, no, it's gone. He doesn't have that anymore. He completely disarmed him and took all of his ammo away. Here's the beauty of that. Who orchestrated the crucifixion? The enemy did. Ha ha, joke's on you. Joke's on you. You put yourself out of business. You put yourself out of business. You have nothing left. You took your own ammunition away. I love this. I love this. Do you know that if the enemy would have, if the devil would have known what he was going to do, he would not have done it? None of the rulers of this age understood it. If they had, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. They had no idea that in crucifying Jesus, they undercut their own plan for destruction for you and I. We're free to become the righteousness of God because of what Jesus did for us. I think that's good news. One more thing happened in the past. God no longer counts our sin against us. That's good news. He removes every obstacle that keeps us from being in right relationship with God. And he no longer counts your sin against you. God no longer counts your sin against you. Look, personalize that for a moment, okay, everybody? Right now. Uh, God no longer counts your sin against you. Do you know what that means? It means that you can stop counting it against yourself. Okay? I think think there's somebody that made a decision a long time ago and you were forced into what you saw as no way out and you made a decision and you've carried the guilt of it ever since. And God says, I don't count it against you. You don't have to count it against yourself. There's somebody who sinned against another person and that person has forgiven you and God has forgiven you, but you can't forgive yourself. And God says, let it go. I don't hold that against you and and you can let it go. 
And I think there's somebody else who was dishonest at your place of business and you did things that you shouldn't have done. And God says, let it go. You don't have to hold that against yourself anymore. I think there's somebody who blames themselves for the decisions that other people made. And God said, that was never yours to begin with. And so you can let go of it. We don't, We don't have to hold the sin against ourselves any longer. Let it go. Let it go. Here's what happens in the present when we do that. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We have a decision to make. Okay? Here's the decision. Listen very carefully because do we base the truth on what we see? how things look? Do we base the truth on how things look? Or do we decide how things really are based on the truth? Okay, that's the decision. Because sometimes it looks a lot like sin is alive and well. And sometimes we feel like we're still the same old person. But the truth is that we're a new creation in Christ. When we feel like and we think we're the same old person, we're looking at it with what Paul calls a worldly point of view. We're not seeing ourselves as the new creation that we truly are in Christ. The truth dictates what's real, not what we see. We used to think that, but now we no longer do. Now we, not, we, now we can see other people, we can see everyone from the perspective of God, not the perspective of the world, and we say, you're a new creation in Christ. That's who you are. Here's the application, okay? Here's the application for this. Today's topic is evangelism. We're talking about sharing the good news with somebody else, and here's the deal. There's a lot of people who don't know they're a new creation in Christ yet. They're living in guilt. They're living in shame. They're living in the burden of their own sin. And they they have a worldly point of view about themselves. They don't see themselves as a new creation in Christ. But, But we no longer see them that way. We can look at them and say, you're a new creation in Christ. You've been told you're no good your whole life. But guess what? No, that's not true. What's true is you're a new creation in Christ. You've been told you're worthless your whole life. But guess what? That's not true. What's true is you're a new creation in Christ. We can help them see who they really are in him. We don't see them that way. We don't treat them that way. We don't talk to them that way. We speak life and truth into them as new creations in Christ, not as what they once were before Jesus took their sin on the cross. The second thing, and that it brings us to the second thing that happens in the present is that we have a job. We've been given a job. We now have the ministry of reconciliation. We've been called to reconcile people to God. We implore you, be reconciled to God. Whatever you think you are, no, you were, but you're not that anymore. Please, please understand how much God loves you. Understand how powerful it is what he's done in your life and how free you are to walk in the righteousness that he's created you to be. See, that's good news. Okay, that's good news. Um, Look at that. Talking about what we love. Just talking about what we love, okay? Something happened. What happened? Jesus died for our sin. He took it all. We're a new creation in him. It affects how we view the present. We walk in that, and it changes our expectation of the future, doesn't it? Now, what's your expectation of the future? There's two parts to this. One part is, Eternal life, right? We get to go to heaven and be with Jesus. Woohoo! We win. Okay? We get that. I think we get that. But 
between now and then, there's also some future, right? There's some future now until we get there. What's your expectation of that future? My expectation of that future is that every day will be an adventure with him. I wake up every day, and here's the beauty of this all. Even if I screwed up yesterday, I'm a new creation in Christ. Fresh start. Every day is an adventure with him. Every day I might have an opportunity to meet somebody and say, hey, no, no, don't buy that. You're a new creation in Christ. That's who you are today. That's who you are. Let's stand.